0: Hi, my name is Rob Scott from UC Today News and welcome to our May Microsoft Teams news update. So as always, I'm joined by Microsoft Teams expert and co-founder of Empowering Cloud, Tom Abuthnot. And together we're gonna to be talking through the most popular Teams headlines with today's panel of special guests. So welcome Tom, how's it going?
1: Yeah, really good. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a, a, I feel like we say this every month, but it's been a busy month as usual. I was out in uh, Denver at Next, which is a really good community show. And then I didn't go, but it's been uh, Vegas M365 Conf as well. So uh, yeah, a bit of news drop there as well to talk about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Big month for teams again. And you, uh you were, an even bigger cha- month you were when we- in
1: Vegas, weren't you? Were you at Channel, Channel Partners?
0: I was indeed actually, yeah. I was uh, I was at the uh, Channel Partners event. Uh, literally flew back in this morning from the event, and uh, it's uh, it was a pretty wild event actually, bigger than I thought. It was my first time. Um, UC today's been there before, but uh, I, I haven't personally. So yeah, pretty good. I like the way the, nice. the channel roll actually. It's, it's good fun. But it was an even bigger month for Microsoft Teams, wasn't it, Tom? So talk, let's talk through the big announcement: three hundred million. Monthly active users, is that correct?
1: Yep. Yeah, MAU. Yeah. So this was the Microsoft Q3 earnings. So often we get figures during Microsoft's earnings calls and they're a great place to get information because they have to be super scrutinized and super vetted. Because if you're putting them out on earning calls, then they're going to get scrutinized and they impact the share price. So you can generally rely on them. So Microsoft saying 300 million monthly active users. And we've had this conversation before, but Monthly active means doing something proactive in Teams, so it's not just licenses, not just booting up, it's some kind of activity. That could be as little as one chat message, to be clear, but it's some kind of activity. Um, And Microsoft also said they've seen growth across collab, chat, meetings, and calling, so all the workloads growing. Um, Still, you know, 300 million is still a, uh, a, a percentage of the whole Office 365, which is sort of coming up to, you know nearing 400 million now so there's still some room for growth there but growth is going to start to slow as microsoft saturate that office 365 user base um where they're really focused now is the attach of teams phone rooms and premium and they said that they've got 60% of their enterprise customers with some kind of attach of either phone rooms or premium so you'll see them pushing more and more on these add-on upsells of phone rooms and premium to kind of make the most of that that teams user base
0: And do they publish those numbers, Tom? I mean, I haven't seen anything personally on that just yet. Yeah,
1: they don't break them out, and they always change the way they frame things. So, so 60% of enterprise customers have purchased Teams, phones, rooms, or premium. Now, realistically, that I would say, based on my experience, is mostly phone, then rooms, then premium being a distant third. But they did say premium is the fastest growing modern work product ever. Now, Teams used to hold that title. But I'm not clear if they mean growth by usage or growth by sales because they didn't define. So th- I know they've given a they've given a low-cost intro price and they've given it out to some customers. I'm surprised they can claim Teams Premium is the fastest-growing modern work product ever. Um, but we didn't get the metrics as to what that means. But I think we, we've definitely seen, we've heard from Enterprise Connect, there's some real growth going on in Teams Phone and Teams Room. So that is definitely doing really well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But there might be something uh, in the road uh, just about to trip them up potentially around their numbers. I mean, that is the unbundling of teams, Tom. Let's talk about that for a moment because I know that's a, a hot topic right now.
1: And yeah, you know, what, what, yeah. what does this mean? This is super interesting. So um, various companies, Slack being the, the the spearheading most popular one, have complained before that uh, Microsoft being so dominant in office gives them an unfair advantage in also bundling in a collaboration product. Um, so Slack were complaining back about this back in 2020. And it kind of res- um, resonates with the old model of when um, people were complaining that Microsoft was bundling a browser in with of the os with windows and that was anti-competitive um so interestingly microsoft have kind of been rumored to be saying and it is all rumors and hearsay that they'll offer to unbundle teams from office to stave off kind of a full-on antitrust investigation and, and it's really meaningful the eu can dole out some pretty massive fines so the eu fined microsoft uh i think it was 560 million euros for like not honoring the browser Unbundling, so so it's real money, real impact. Uh, what what I'm not clear on here is is this Microsoft saying they'll unbundle the software or unbundle the licensing? Because Microsoft 365, obviously, you have generally a stack. So if they unbundle the software but you have to go and download it, I don't think that's much friction. If they unbundle the product and you have to pay extra for it, that's a whole different conversation.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Let's, let's open this up to our panel of expert guests today, uh, Graham. What do you think?
2: I think, as Tom says, you know, this is history repeating itself. Um, you know, hopefully they've got the same lawyers that they used with uh, Netscape many years ago, maybe. Uh, and, uh, you know, time will tell. But, again, you know, you've, you've, got, you've got, let's call it two versions or three versions of Teams, however, however many they are. You've got the consumer, the community, and then the business. Um, so I, I think they're targeting the business one, aren't they, uh, to yes. unbundle that. But, you know, to it's easily done Uh, as we're discussing pre-show you charge a cent for or a dollar or a nominal fee uh, to to access that download Um, but you know people are buying the office suite and they're expecting it you know that's microsoft that's what they've been known for Uh, so it seems you know why didn't anyone complain about link back in the day or skype you know as part of the you know you could bundle it as part of your licensing so it seems strange that you know they Well, is it because salesforce have now got slack and they're the ones kicking the fuss
1: up yeah, well, also, it's interesting because, like, I mean, other vendors are bundling up, right? Zoom is adding these capabilities to offer a round stack. They're buying companies. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. But I think the horse has bolted on this one. I mean, if they unbundle it now, 300 million monthly active users, like, it's it, you know, think this is the thing with the EU. It takes so long to investigate things. Like, it, they did that with the browsers, and Chrome won the browser race anyway because it was a better browser. People went and proactively downloaded it at scale. So interesting.
0: It is, indeed. Any other comments on that one?
3: Well, I mean, isn't it just a little bit of I'm Slack and I've only got 20 million active users. You've got 300 million and wow, I, I want more. Look, that's probably the most unprofessional way to cover it, but that's, that's <laughs> about the size of it, right? Yeah. Um I get it. They're basically saying, look, you've bundled it in with Office and that's not fair. Stompy, stompy. Um, We'd like you to unbundle it from the Office suite. Now, it says in in the ruling I'm looking at from the European Commission in 2020 where they uh, uh, appealed, they said they've illegally bundled it with no option to remove it. Now, as I remember the last time I installed Office, it's still a separate installer for Teams, so there is still a separate installer. You do still have to manually do it. I mean, it'll try and guide you and, and hint suggestively that you should also install Teams at this time. This is a great time to install Teams. Hmm. Why not install Teams on your mobile devices whilst you're here? Um, but it's still a separate app and a separate installer. And actually, having just got into Teams preview, uh, as well, which I've been running for the last few weeks, um, there's, a, there's a, you know, a separate installer to run that as well. So. I think it's very easy for them to pull it out. It is not going to make a difference to the people who use Slack versus the people who use Teams. I think actually there's quite a cultural difference between the, the organizations and the types of people. And you could almost put it akin to the people who use Google versus the people who use Microsoft you know, for their productivity suite. There's a lot of tribalism, I think, around these products. And, and, and I don't think that like unbundling is suddenly going to cause Slack to, to start dominating or Zoom to you know eclipse 300 million monthly act- users. I just, it just seems like a bit of um, bad sportsmanship. Let's put it that way.
4: I'll, I'll echo the comments of Scott there. I, I feel like it's uh, hey, we're falling behind. We don't know how to catch up. What straws can we grasp at here? Uh, how can we possibly... Will it make an impact in the end? I highly doubt it. Uh, back to the tribalism comment that Scott made. You're going to have certain fat factions that are uh, you know, developer pockets in different companies, they're going to keep using Slack or, you know, but it's they're not going to gain market share or, or make some big shift over this. This is just a, <laughs> hey, we, we, we wish we were more competitive at the table. What can we possibly possibly do to, to tilt anything in our favor? Um, Microsoft's a, a giant at this stage and they've built a good solution it's an uphill battle for anyone going against it. I, I kind of agree with Scott. It's This is one of those low blows, but, you know, okay. <laughs> do what you got to well. do. Uh,
1: I think to do the devil's advocate thing, I think the thing that the, the, the competitive vendors could be pushing for and would make a better case is to say any integration Microsoft does, there should be a public API for the other people to do it because that's where it becomes tricky. It's like if there's really tight integration between... Word and Teams and PowerPoint and Teams and Office, uh, like Outlook and Teams. Uh, I'd like to see Microsoft have a public API to let a, another vendor do the same thing. I still think Microsoft would naturally probably do a better job because it's 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 one stack. But it'd be nice to see you know Zoom be able to put in a PowerPoint button to one click to present, for example, just to keep it you know keep it keep it competitive, keep Microsoft hungry.
4: That would be right along the same lines of direct guest join in Teams rooms. Hey you know what, we prefer Teams meetings, but uh, okay, we'll let you do some Cisco meetings and we'll let you do some Zoom meetings. They're mm. not gonna be nearly as great as the experience of Teams native, but sure, you can play too. Uh, it, I mean, that, that's a completely reasonable thing to think they could do. Well, I know
0: the rumor mill is churning on this one, but do we have a timeline, Tom?
1: Uh, no, no detail. It's all very r- rumory. And I think it's Microsoft kind of flighting If we did this, would would everything go away? Would you back off? So we'll see what happens. It'll be a case of now what the EU says around this. Uh, So yeah, I'll keep my ear to the ground and update when we get more.
0: Great stuff. Well, from rumors to, and and, you know, possibilities and things that might not happen to hard news. Let's talk about uh, the headlines from the last few weeks. First of all, top of the list, we've got Microsoft, Microsoft Teams Rooms and Android. Tom, tell us more.
1: Yeah this is um uh, good news so Android 12 now the first rooms are shipping and certified on Android 12 so it's the audio codes are uh, XB81 and the D10 board both shipping on Android 12 and why this matters for customers is um it, it's convoluted but the chipset defines which androids the 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 devices can run and how long they'll be supported by Microsoft. So, you want to be working with a device that has the longest possible life. So, if it ships on Android 12, you can probably assume it's going to have 13, maybe 14 in its life cycle. Um, Whereas, if it ships on 9 or 10, you're probably thinking, you know, it's going to go to 10, 11. Uh, It's it's a complicated topic. Um, Maybe we can throw to Ryan because he's way more of an expert than I am. But uh, nice to see the Android 12 devices starting to come out now.
5: Yeah, I agree with you, Tom. I think this is is good news. You know, from an industry perspective, it's exciting to see some of the newer entrants into the ecosystem um, coming with a a differentiator and uh, Android 12 I mean, there is a, a lifespan to Android, and I, I think the idea of um, going in with um, the, the deck stacked for as much useful life as possible is is meaningful, and, and there are some security and privacy and, you know, other enhancements in the newer versions of, of Android that, uh, that that have some some value. And so I think this is, um, it, it's a good bar to put out there, and, and again, it's a good um, differentiator for some of these newer entrants coming in that are that are trying to to, to find a, a way to separate from an increasingly growing uh, ecosystem in in pack. And so yeah, I think uh, I know you know on the audio code side, in addition to um, the bar that this is will extend to um, their touchpad and even to their phones that, that they've indicated that as well. So yeah, I think good push on and nudge for the rest of the ecosystem that uh, you know fresh Android is is important.
0: Good stuff. Well, next up, we said we are talk about Polly, who's recently done a deal with Pexip in favor of their own Real Connect service, Tom, haven't they? Tell us more. Give us a bit of background on this one. Might need to explain it to our audience just to uh,
1: help them out on this one. What does it actually mean? Definitely. It's a bit of a convoluted one. So um, Teams video is not standards-based. So if you want to join a Teams meeting... You have to have um, proprietary capabilities on the the video front. If you had standards-based rooms and you wanted to bridge them into a Teams meeting, you needed some kind of gateway service. Uh, And so um, various vendors came up with certified gateway options. So originally it was Pexit, BlueJeans, uh, Cisco, Poly, um, all had options. Uh, The pandemic kind of radically shifted everybody's investment cycles and suddenly being native in the room was more important, but also Microsoft and others kind of got a whole bunch of features in their native room platforms that you couldn't do with the standard space room. So things like front row, things like spatial audio, things you know clever layouts. Um, so those two things combined made it a little bit less important for organisations to have this ability to join standard space. But it's still there, um, and, and for customers that have standard space rooms, they want them to join. It it feels like most vendors are falling away from that and Pexip is the the last and best solution standing. So Poly have decided to um, end of life, end of sale their own solution and partner up with Pexip to provide their customers with that option now.
5: Yeah, I would just just chime in, Tom, I think that uh... This, to some degree, is a diminishing use case, um, as you shared, and the market's just not big enough to support uh, multiple vendors. It, it, it hasn't been a ton of innovation in that in that model, you know. Either it's still certainly important to some customers that are, you know, hopefully transitioning to to something you know more powerful than these these legacy three two three SIP devices. But I think it, ma- it makes some sense I think there just wasn't a big enough market for multi vendor ongoing investment in it. And Pexip seem to be uh, the, the leading the pack in terms of, of business model and, and uh, partnership with, with, with Microsoft. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a natural move for, for everyone to kind of exit stage left.
0: Good stuff. Well, next up, we said we talked about green screens, Tom. I mean, there's, uh, you know, a new feature here coming is in public preview. Tell us more.
1: Yeah, this is um, just, a, just a quick one, but this is something that other platforms have had for a while. So um, Teams in Preview now supports genuine green screen background replacement. So you can put a green screen behind you, it will remove the the background and replace it. Um, so various kind of uh, people use things like OBS for that at the moment in Teams, but nice to see that feature coming, coming natively. It's really useful for things like Training and more professional presentations.
4: I just, the thing I like about the feature is that it, it, you're not, you know, they're not confining you to a green screen itself. If you've got a plain wall behind you of a certain color or something, mm-hmm. you can. There's a little bit of flexibility and wiggle room with uh, Microsoft's implementation of it, as the other software I'm sure lets you do as well. But um, it, a lot of people, you know, might see, oh, green screen. I'm going to rush out and buy a green screen. Hey, there's some great, great green screens out there. Go for it. Uh, but, uh, but it's not. The feature is not just confined to that, uh, and I'm very excited to see it. Uh, We've all seen our fair share of blurred out backgrounds with cutting off someone's head, kind of, and yeah, yeah, we need to get rid of all that. You can showcase things in your hand and all that now. This is this will really improve uh, the quality of removing backgrounds and teams.
0: Well from uh professional meetings to very unprofessional meetings uh, our next update was every talk uh, about I was just Snapchat.
1: thinking that that's exactly the same transition I was going for from high unprofessional professional <laughs> to clearly not professional at all
0: and, and if I had the opportunity charm I would put a chicken on my head right now just to show you <laughs> what I mean by uh the Snapchat unprofessional lenses but that's actually it's very 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 good fun uh if you haven't seen it already Tom what do you reckon Snapchat lenses for teams
1: yeah, this is interesting. I mean, this is Microsoft wanting to be everything to everybody, right? So yes, they want to be the enterprise choice for banks that are doing, you know, finance and have compliance recording and super, super requirements. But they also want to be consumer. They also want to be liked and fun. And that's something that, you know, other vendors in this space have done a good job of. You know, being like actually people like the software um so microsoft's adding in lens capabilities which is overlays on video um you know to do the kind of funny glasses funny hats funny faces chicken on the head is the the, the most popular one i think um uh, and it's actually snapchat the the company it's their official lens pack but there'll also be options for third parties to add other things um there might be some genuine clever accessibility use cases for this kind of overlay technology but right now this is more just the Have some, have some fun and inject some levity into our our online meetings.
4: No, is this going to be in the free version? Have, has anyone seen that as well? The, the, the community version, I should say.
1: Uh, yeah, I assume it will be. I haven't, I don't think it is at the moment. We're that kind of weird state between because the, f- the community version runs off the Windows live IDs, which runs off the other client. Um, so I think when the clients come together again, that's where it will appear. But yeah, I think that's more, more the suitable use cases not it, the friends right. and family use case.
4: Like you said, trying to be everything to everyone, but really the most appropriate place for that's going to be, they want to foster adoption of the community version. Um, They are a challenger in that space. This is one of those things that would really help that space. So uh,
1: Definitely.
3: I was going to say under the same menu, uh, recently, cause I'm kind of having to flip between the preview version of teams and the, the current release version. Uh, I, again, I discovered this morning when I was trying to create a new channel in teams, you can't do that in the preview version. I was like, Oh, okay. I'll, I'll switch back. Um, but interestingly as well, I was joining some meetings recently and I noticed that I'd have like an avatars and backgrounds or avatars and effects menu. Um, if I'm using the old client, if I'm using the new client, it's not there yet. Um, but the avatars was interesting. I spent at least like 20 to 30 minutes trying to create an avatar of, you know, that looked like me. And it was like one of those video games where you have to like, how far apart are the eyes? How big is the nose? And I was like, I had a picture of me on screen and I spent like 20 to 30 minutes. I joined a call and they instantly just went, doesn't look anything like you. I'm like, I've, I've agonized over this. It's, there's, there's only so much of this I can capture in an avatar. Um but the avatar is quite fun if you if you haven't had a chance to play with these yet so you get the the opportunity there's a whole list of kind of um emotes that you can do on the right hand side which feels very much like you know multiplayer online gaming where you can have like dances or reactions or that kind of thing and those are actually quite good I think the thing that I was a little disappointed by was like it, it doesn't use the camera anymore so the the avatar itself is static it doesn't use the camera to see where your head's pointing or any of your expressions like we used to now with um like the mimojis or whatever they're called on, on iPhone. Um, so it did, it doesn't do any of that. It just, it has a, st- I mean, it does move around a bit and it's like, it's listening along to the conversation. It kind of just has these static kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you have to press a button for any kind of reaction. It will, as, as you talk, it will kind of like literally kind of flap the lips a little bit, but you can't go, wow. And it kind of like opens up wide. It's just very, very subtle. Um, so it's a nice little start. I think again, you know, there's probably some gimmicky side to it, but it it is a genuine person, not like some kind of animal. So I think if we think about like diversity and equity, and you know, inclusion, belonging, that kind of thing, it might help some people feel more comfortable in that space. Um, but I think they've still got a bit of a way to go to make it a bit more a bit more interactive. You can't. I tried in a meeting to have, like, the entire panel of all the reactions that you can have. Um, and you spend most of your time just scrolling. Oh, no, I want to do the chicken dance. No, I need to do the robot because, you know, those are always important in meetings. Um, but it's, it's a great feature. I think, it, you know, it still needs some time to develop, but looking good so far.
2: So the, uh, the question is then, Snapchat filters or avatars? What would you choose? <laughs>
1: Well, sure, surely we can stack these things. We can have a lower third and an avatar <laughs> and, a, and a Snapchat filter. <laughs> Put you your slot right on an avatar. <laughs> <Is it> some <laughs> site,
5: a on the AI, um, you have Dolly GPT side to do some things to automatically create
1: that avatar in the, in the future. Yeah, uh, people would love that, actually. It's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. It's worth looking, actually, on this topic. Yeah. Have a look at what um, Meta released there next gen of what they're going to do with avatars and it was way 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 more lifelike which suddenly put some injection back into me of like oh avatars could be interesting because they could actually you look at all the ai stuff that's going on in the moment like it's, it's still a way out compute wise but actually potentially avatars could could look at our cameras and all that messing about scott you did like they could just take a snapshot and be like oh here's a here's an avatar of scott that's fairly you know photo realistic can I add more hair, though, Tom? That's the key thing. Or, um, I can, <laughs> yeah, you don't want it I can get one of Josh's
3: hats, maybe, and then this isn't a problem. Um, big question, though, Tom, on those new meta-avatars. Do they, or do they not, have legs?
1: Yeah, so interestingly, this is the, the, the demo they showed is very much like we are now. It's the kind of talking head up a third, not the full-body metaverse. Um, apparently, that's computationally still the hardest thing to do, is to do realistic legs. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, because okay. legs
0: and arms, I think, always end up all over the place, don't they? Yeah. Well, anyway, moving on. Let's get back to serious news now. Um, one last thing uh, we said to talk about, Tom, uh, before we jump into all the uh, Microsoft 365 conference updates. Uh, but phone link for uh, iOS is now rolling out uh, to all Windows 11 uh, customers. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. So so for a long time, Microsoft's been working on um, with Android phones to bring uh, SMS and, and phone capabilities right to the operating system. And Android is a little bit more open in that respect. Um, but now Microsoft's worked out a way to have an iOS app, uh, an Apple iPhone app that can pull in your SMSs. It's a bit more limited than what Android can do, um, but it does give you that. Um, if you're in the full Apple ecosystem, it's quite nice to have your um, iMessages in your on your laptop and on your iPad and on your phone. It's the same kind of principle. Um, the thing that excites me about this is not so much that capability, but people are desperate to have or SMS in Teams. But when they say that, they don't want uh, that. Sometimes they want a dedicated SMS number, but more often than not, they want their own SMS in Teams, which is actually a really hard technical problem because iMessage essentially hijacks sms most of the time and it's on the apple network not proper sms um so it's harder than you would think to pull that into a third-party service so this gives me a glint of hope that maybe microsoft could embed some of this phone link technology into the teams apps and then you could start to see sms surfacing in teams which could be really interesting for users
3: i was going to say one of the the favorite features i have with with phone link is that kind of seamless copy and paste Um, so you can literally just copy on your phone and then paste, you know, right click paste with your mouse and it's there in windows. It's, It's gorgeous because the number of times that I'll have to like find something, like if it's the, you know, the link for this meeting and I'm I'm on my phone, I'm sat at a, you know, a different computer or whatever. And I can literally just, I'll I'll end up teamsing it to myself. You know, you have your private channel for yourself. I generally just end up copying and pasting it into there on the app, but that seamless copy and paste is just, it's beautiful. And again, I think Apple users are used to that in, you know, where they've got their Macs and their Apple iPhones, then it just works, you know, seamlessly. Lovely to have that in Windows as well.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Good stuff. Well, let's uh, talk about Microsoft 365 conference. That was just, uh, a, well, a number of days ago, uh, in Las Vegas. Um, it's, it's the big one, Tom, isn't it? Microsoft 365 conference. Uh, tell us more kind of what, 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 you know, came out of the event.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I kept an eye. I wasn't there live, but I kept an eye and spoke to a few people. Um, unsurprisingly, it was the show of Copilot in everything, right? So it was Copilot in this product, Copilot in that product. Um, some of the key ones were co-pilot in SharePoint. So they showed how you could use natural language and AI to author SharePoint pages to make them really slick. So they're kind of um, commoditizing and de-skilling authoring nice SharePoint sites, which has always been traditionally quite techy and hard work. Um, That's due around November 2023. Copilot in Viva Goals, which is Microsoft's OKR system. So helping people define their goals, create and update their goals, that kind of thing. Um, That was interesting various other copilot I don't want to go through them all, but like various other copilot in X type announcements. Um the, the big thing that's that they they talked about in one of the sessions was um all data processing for copilot currently happens in the USA and there's no timeline for EU yet. Um so that's interesting as to what that means for where copilot gets rolled out and how quickly it gets rolled out. Um, and still, everybody's asking the question, but still no pricing. Like, is there going to be a co-pilot per product uplift? Is there going to be a co-pilot M365 uplift? How does it work alongside Teams Premium? Microsoft are busy announcing all this stuff. I think they need to get the pricing out sooner rather than later, because if they keep dragging their heels on the pricing, people are going to be, you know, oh, I didn't realize I'd have to pay 10 bucks extra user for all this stuff. I think everybody knows pricing's coming, um, but it's interesting in the AI space. Every product I have is trying to pitch me a copilot. Or sorry, a copilot an AI upsell. moment. I notion has their AI, ClickUp has their AI. Like, everybody's adding AI on and trying to add five to ten bucks on their product. So, I think Microsoft needs to get in front of that conversation relatively soon.
2: You know, looking at the compute costs behind this, it seems astronomical. You know what what it's doing. So, I'm guessing they have to recover. It's going to have to be chargeable. I don't think it uh, can be done with, you know, paid advertising Uh, or, you know, sponsorship. 100%.
1: Yeah. Uh, And and I think it's, I don't think they're going to have trouble selling it because everybody's going crazy with Copilot and it's such an easy way you can see the productivity. Uh, My guess would be around 10 bucks a user. And I think that'll do all right in the market because people are like, well, if you can make my Word document into a PowerPoint, you have saved me at least half an hour. Even I have to tune it up. Like it doesn't take much in a knowledge worker to recover $10 worth of value, um, but we'll see. That's my opinion. We'll see what the price point is and where the market sits. But um, it's interesting to see this a bit of a, a race for everybody to graft ChatGPT onto their product and try and upsell before you know somebody else's AI gets the win, kind of thing.
0: Any other takers on price point here? I mean, who, who, any guesses? So you
2: you know t- the ten dollar is the, you know let's call it the Microsoft premium. It's around that mark, isn't it? Uh, maybe a five dollar intro, you know, to tempt you, and then you know, like your gym membership, your Netflix, you'll forget to unsubscribe. So it will then pump to ten, and boom, you know, Microsoft are laughing all the way to the bank, and they'll pay off the EU for the uh, the bundling of the teams. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you're right you're right jo- uh graham you know it's, if it's a netflix strategy it will be 25 cents right but you know every yeah. every every six months every 12 months the price will go up so mm. uh but you know we'll be that hooked by then you know it, it's it's going to be addictive isn't it this co-pilot stuff so um we're not going to be able to get rid of it once we've used once, once we've got it
1: we'll be keeping a close eye on it but there's lots of announcements at the moment but not a lot of hands-on or real world still so and, and i think there's still a lot to tie up with the data security data sovereignty we saw what happened with italy italy clamped down on chat gpt it's back in italy now open AI convinced the italian you know, authorities that they were doing everything legit um but it's much harder in enterprise to get people on board with this kind of stuff you know because it's consumer versus enterprise so we'll see how that works with uh fun fun countries like germany and uh how well it goes down there
4: I think there's massive opportunity there going beyond just the price point with Microsoft. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see uh, how all the partners from an educational standpoint uh, show up to make all kinds of whether they're official offerings in Microsoft's marketplace or beyond. There's going to be lots of people, and I, I won't pretend like I'm not kind of one of them, who look at the whole AI craze and are like, what is going on? I do not understand what all this is about. And they know that there's a lot of uh, there, there's a lot of time to be saved and optimization in their business to be had. But there's this learning curve that whether it's generational or whatever it is, is th- there's going to be how do I interface with this stuff? Where do I begin? How do I even make sense of what I'm doing? There's a lot of educational opportunity there, workshops, bundling of services. Um, I'm interested to see how that element of the AI piece and co pilot uh, explodes for the enterprise. I I think it will. I think it's gonna be a whole new opportunity of training. Uh that, you know, we've we've been so focused on this team's workshop, that adoption workshop, this MTR. This is I think gonna be a whole nother add on that can be put into the play and uh and and potentially in in an even bigger way in some organizations. So
1: yeah, really good point well they've,
0: got, they've certainly got us all excited over copilot and, and you know the chat GPT kind of capabilities uh, that are coming soon to to Microsoft world, but there are wider pressures right now from groups protesting about you know people losing jobs you know because of AI and stuff like that. So I imagine Microsoft have got to take some fairly careful steps with this to to make sure they hit the mark and, and uh, don't get, into, get themselves into too much trouble yeah they were at the white house yesterday
5: uh, along with, with with other leaders i think having that that discussion and so yeah it's going to be it's going to be the regulatory side is going to get interesting because I, I think we if any of us watched the 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 TikTok hearings you know uh, certainly in the us we don't have the most technical uh folks in our in congress and trying to even appreciate or understand or legislate on this uh is going to be you know pretty interesting
0: Good stuff. Right. Well, last but not least, Tom. Let's roll through some of uh, our forthcoming events. Uh, we've got a few on 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 the list today.
1: Yeah, we've got quite a lot coming up actually. Um, so in in London, in the UK, we've got the Microsoft UCU Group London. We're back at Polly. We've been at Polly for a while, so really looking forward to that. That's the 11th of May. Um, also on that day, we've got our monthly Teams fireside chat. Uh, so this time we've got a, a guest from AVISPL. um if you're into teams definitely obviously i host it so i'm super biased but i definitely think it's worth coming along to that we're getting so much good conversation Um we had ilia on last month and we blew through two two uh, 230 live people on all asking questions around rooms and roadmap and stuff so um always a, a good one i think to, to sit in and get some feedback on and then in person we've got ucx manchester uh, i think you might be there as well, Rob. Um, that's the 17th, 18th of May. And 23rd and 24th of May, I've got the Crestron Modern Work Summit in Madrid. So that should be really good. They pulled together some great guests. We're doing some uh, talks and panels. It's kind of going, obviously Crestron are huge in, the, in the, the rooms and automation space, but they're taking their conference way beyond that into the whole modern work, new ways of working scenarios.
0: Yeah, tons of events coming up as well, you know, further down the line as well. So, you know, do look at the events page on uctoday.com. You know, keep an eye on things. There's lots of in-person opportunities, hybrid and and, uh, and remote, you know. Uh, so fantastic. Lots happening. Uh, very, very exciting. So, well, that's it from us. I hope you've enjoyed today's session. Uh, please subscribe to UC Today News and give this video a quick share on social, as is always appreciated. And if you're a Microsoft Teams fan and want to be part of the conversation, you can connect with Tom, myself, and our guest speakers on LinkedIn and Twitter, and our social links are in the description. Hey, thanks to everyone for joining me today. And uh, Tom, uh, thanks again. We'll be back again next month. I'm Rob Scott from UC Today. Thanks for watching.